Hi and welcome to Let's Listen with Kieran McBreen. My name's Andrew and I'm here with Kieran tonight. Hi Kieran, how are you doing? I'm wonderful, Andrew, thank you. A really, a really hard, difficult episode this one. It's with Dean Monroe and for those who, who don't know, Dean unfortunately lost his little baby, Monty, after 10 weeks in intensive care. Um, a really powerful conversation, Kieran. Absolutely, Andrew. It was um, one of the hardest interviews I've ever experienced in my life, but extremely pleasurable at the same time. His passion for his family, his passion for Monty, his passion for Monty's legacy shone through the whole interview. And I just genuinely feel that Dean was an amazing person, is an amazing person. The strength, you know, how brave he was through everything, you know, and, and what he's trying to do now for other families it's just absolutely amazing and it's an absolute credit to him. And for people who want to know more about the legacy Dean is creating for Monty, they can go to the website which is Monty Stories, which is M-O-N-T-E-S-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. They can find the books that Dean's written and the NFTs that he's created and all about young Monty. And talking about books, Kieran, your book, Listen, just tell us when it comes out and what it's about. Yes, Listen is out this month and uh, it's, it's 20 stories from teenagers I interviewed, uh, and it's about uh, their challenging stories, body image, social media pressure, parental abuse, neglect, you know, very, very current uh, topics that today's children, teenagers, struggle with. So, um, yeah, watch this space. It's coming out very, very soon. So this is Demon Monroe talking about the death of his son, Monty. It's obviously very an emotive topic, so if you do have any concerns, maybe just reach out and talk to somebody after you've listened, and also there is some very... Um, difficult language, which is understandable. This is Dean Munro. Dean, thank you so much uh, for giving us your time tonight. Dean, tell me, what is your big why? What message do you want to um, give to our listeners here tonight? My message is really to try and help people, um, to try and make people take positives from really negative situations and that impact your life and, and how you can potentially help other people from from something that's directly happened to you and yeah hopefully I can you know as I've said from day one if, if I can just impact one person's life or or something like that from what I'm doing and what I've been doing then then you know I'll be a very very happy man then for those who don't know your story you know Give us a breakdown. What, what, what challenge have you been through? So my story is one which I th don't think any parent, any human should really experience. And, and that was that I lost my son at 10 weeks old. Um, my son was born on the 5th of April with an emergency C-section. During the pregnancy, everything was fine. Um, my wife was very large. There was a real buildup of fluid, but nothing was picked up with the pregnancy. Um, we were due to go in, I think about a couple of weeks later, but the, the, the pain got quite too much for my wife. So we went and saw our doctor and said, look, we're going we're gonna to put you in for the 6th. On the 5th, they said, we just want to check you in so that you can go down in the morning, give birth, and it'll be fine. We've had a daughter out here before. We know how it works. It's all very calm. I remember last time I was with my daughter, I was watching Pirates of the Caribbean, eating spaghetti bolognese. I was, it was really chilled. And um, this time we went to the hospital. It was very different. There, there was a real tension in the air like that they started looking for Monty's heartbeat and they couldn't find it um and I tried not to panic but my wife's lying there and I could see that she was panicking I was like shit 
something's not right. And they said, we need to get you into theater now. And at that point, I'm, I'm trying to be strong. I'm trying to be calm. I'm trying to say, you know, everything's fine. You know, he's good. Monty's fine. We're not going to have a problem here. Um, we went straight down to theater. I was rushed in. Kirsty was rushed in. She had all the epidural, everything put in her. They caught me in a few minutes later. It wasn't like it was with my daughter. It was very panicky. It wasn't calm. It was it was full on. Doctors were running nurses all over the place. And I was like, fuck, something's not right here. Something's something's wrong. And they they obviously started operating on my wife and they pulled Monty out. And as I look at him, I will never forget that how they brought him out. He was he was blue and he was lifeless. Like he was I, I don't even like a, a doll. Like he, he was just passed straight over to the doctors and we never held him at that point. And straight away, he wasn't talking, he wasn't breathing, he wasn't screaming. We didn't know what to do. And my wife's looking at me and I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, fuck, like, what do we do in this situation? This isn't in the handbook. Do you know what I mean? The baby's, he was meant to come out screaming. I cut the cords. We 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 have a smile, we cry, we we, we, we love him, we kiss him, but that didn't happen. And he got put onto the, the bed and I'll never forget that I'm sort of looking at my wife, I'm looking at him, they're, they're trying to resuscitate him, they're, they're putting the machine on him to to bring him back to life there. And um, they said, we've got to take him out of the room. They said, we've got to take him straight away. And then I've got my wife there, I've got my son who's just been born. I'm like, who, who do I follow? Where do I go? I said to my wife, look, I said, the, the doctors are here, the nurses are here, I've got to go with him. I've got to make sure he's all right. And they took him up to an ICU and uh, that's where he stayed for for 10 weeks. Um, he never left the life support machine. We never knew what was wrong with him, which was the most difficult part. For, for days, I just kept saying to the doctors, I just said, you don't know what you're talking about. I said, I was in denial. I said, my son, he's, he's, he's weak. I said, just feed him, give him loads of milk. I said, he'll be absolutely good as gold. I said, look at me. I said, I'm six foot three, 110 kilos. I said, my son's gonna be huge. He's gonna be strong, he's gonna be big. And, I, and he, he just, the doctor was saying, look, there is something more serious, but we didn't know what, all the tests were coming back normal. Everything was coming back, your son's normal. This is fine, this is, he, there's, there's no issues here. They said, we've got to do one test though, which we, we need to do a, a, a whole gene, syndrome, oh, I forgot, it's, it's a long word, but him and I had to take some samples from him and send off to Germany, which would take six weeks to get back. And it was in that six weeks that we just kept seeing him every day. We kept, he'd have good days, he'd have bad days. And one day he, we'd see him moving and we'd record it on our phones and we'd say to the doctors, look at him, look at him, he's lifting his arm up. He's, this is brilliant. And the doctors would look at me as if to say, there's, you know, they knew something I didn't, but they couldn't tell me. And I was like, why are you not excited? Like he's, he's, he's moving, I'm buzzed like Monty, he's moving, come on mate. And we used to go there every day and see him we were only allowed to see him in the morning for two hours between 10 and 12 and then we'd go back between five and seven and um yeah every, every day we'd just sit there like talking to him like reading him books like we just wanted it like we could hold him but obviously he was wired up to so many cables and machine and everything that it was it was difficult to really grasp him because i couldn't like really hug him really love him because it was so fragile every time we moved and then after the six weeks, I'll never forget, they put him on a um, a new machine. They said, if we can put him on this machine, we can get him breathing and you can take him home. If, he, if he's 
um, accepts this machine, his body does. And it, I was, I said, this is amazing. I said, get the machine. I said, we don't care what it costs. I said, we want the machine. He's going to be fine. We'll get him home. They put him on that machine. And that afternoon we stayed late. And then we left the hospital after they put him on the machine. We was really sort of mixed emotions. And my phone went and it was the NICU. And I looked at Curse. I went, oh, shit, what's happened? And they said, can you come back? We've had the results back. And when I walked into the hospital, we went into this room and there was eight doctors and nurses sat there and my heart sank and I said, fuck. I said, this isn't good. I said, they're not going to call us in here to tell us good news. And um, they said the disease that he had, which was a myotubular myopathy, which no one really knew about. The doctors didn't know, but they just knew about it on paper. They didn't know about it. In, they'd never dealt with it. So I was Googling it as he was telling us and I saw the results and I saw the expectancy of children. I said to the doctor, I said, what's going to happen? He said, it's not good news thing. He said, he said, it's a, it's not a good life expectancy. And that was the hardest day for me. Apart from the day he died, that was the hardest day because I knew there was no cure for him. I knew there was no cure for my son and that hurt me. That, that really, like someone just put a knife in me and just twisted it and... and I had nothing. I was powerless. I'd been powerless the whole time with my son because I would have done anything to take away anything that he was doing, but I was, I was completely powerless. I couldn't do anything. I just had to sit there and watch him deteriorate. Three weeks later, we got a phone call at night, about 20 to 10 or something. He said he's going to cardiac arrest. Can you get up here? And um, we got to the hospital. He was still with us. And about 10 minutes later, while we were there, that's when he um he passed away and that was you know that was something that no one would experience in life to be able to to sit there and see to see that like i say to everyone you expect to to lose your mum, you lose your dad you lose your nan that's life you taught that as a kid but you're not taught what me and my wife went through and obviously we're out here in dubai it's only the two of us we go and just ring our mum up and be like, mum, you know. So at that point, I realised that I've got, I've got to step up. I'm, I'm all that my wife's got, I'm all that my daughter's got. And I've got to be strong for them too. And it was at that point, I thought, no matter what happens to me in my life now, nothing will ever be as bad as that. I said, anything can happen to me. I wouldn't be scared of anything in this world. There's nothing that will scare me because... I can't be more scared than I was for that 10 weeks of losing him. And then I did lose him. So for me, I'd, my outlook on life changed. And from that point, I could have gone into a dark spiral of depression. I could have really been mentally like messed up with that because it's not something you should deal with. But I, I couldn't be because I always looked at my wife and my daughter. And I said, if I break and I have problems who have they got to turn to no one i had to be their rock and don't get me wrong like i'd go out by myself i'd get in my car and i'd go for a drive and i'd play music i'd, I'd have a good blowout i'd have a cry I'd, I'd do what i needed to but now it's easier if i need like it was his an anniversary for his year birthday on the 5th of april and you know what i have days now that i just cry in front of her because we, we need that and and it's not at a point where it's going to affect me like it did of it would have a year ago because 
we know how to deal with it now. Obviously, every day is still hard. He's not here. My son's not here. But we found a way that we can channel it to help other people. Yeah. Dane, thank you so much for telling us that story. It, it can't be easy for you. It's such a brave thing to do. And I've got no doubt that our listeners will will feel this story and, and the power that this can have. Dane, you mentioned your daughter and, and your wife. Could you tell me more about, you know, what they were going through and, and how you, what you, you were doing. You mentioned that you were their rock. You know, mm. how was this all? How, how did this work out? It, the, the, the difference between me and my wife was my wife was Googling every night what was wrong with my son. And I said, you've got to stop doing that. I said, until I get something in black and white, there is nothing wrong with my boy. I said, there's nothing wrong with him. I said, until someone tells me, and that's at that point, she was amazing. Like my wife was amazing. My daughter was amazing. My daughter was just two and a half, probably two and a half. But she, my daughter's, and so many people have said this, my daughter's an old soul. They said she's been on this planet before my daughter. And if you ever met my daughter Tallulah, she's the most phenomenal little girl, the, the most amazing girl I, I could, she's, she was our rock. Like if it wasn't for Tallulah as well, like it would have been difficult because we had her. If, if we hadn't had Tallulah, it could be a very different subject. But my wife was amazing. Like she would, you know, talk to me and we, we would talk a lot, but just to have that family that we had, you know, the three of us, we were like the three best, the three strongest people you could ever say. And, and Tallulah would come out with some things. And after Monty passed away, she would look up to the sky and say like, you know, Monty, well, even now she says, Monty's up there, you know, uh, she'll blow him kisses. And we was in the Maldives the other day. We went away for his birthday because we like to be near the ocean because he never had a bath. So even on his funeral, we were down at um, the Palm like Vista Mare releasing balloons just, just to be near the water. And she'd always, she always talks to him. She always tells her friends about him. And she is the most extraordinary little girl. And, and it's, she's, she's just, She's probably been better than me, to be honest with you, because she has as get dust together as well. If it, I, I, I think it could be a different conversation we'd be having if Tallulah wasn't here and it was just me and my wife because I've seen other people go different ways. But um, I think we just spoke, you know, just to communicate with each other, not hide our feelings in, not bottle it all up and then just explode one day and have a fit of rage and have a drink and... We spoke, we were calm. We knew, me and my wife agreed on every single thing about my son. If we were going to, um, you know, challenge him with a, a breathing apparatus, we were going to do this. We were, every single thing we agreed on. There was nothing that we said, we don't want to do this. Everything we agreed on, we, we was a team and we are a team. And we're one of the strongest, you know, teams that I think I've, I've ever had to, ever met. Beautifully put, um, Dane, that's... Um the power and the strength and the passion you have to speak about Tallulah is um is very admirable. Um, how's everybody now, Dane? How is Tallulah and your wife coping with everything now? You know, the, we're good. I mean, we have our you know we have days like his birthday, which which just come out. That was hard, but we went away for that. And we do have days where a song will come on our phone, you know, just reminds us of the hospital. Or I used to read him books every night, every night, every day. I was reading books, and that's how I started writing the children's books which I wrote about him because I thought if I can if I'm getting I'm getting good feelings reading these books to him and I know that he's listening I thought 
I want to make books about him so I can other children can you know hear the stories of his parents and and, and that's it all went and like now Tallulah just she just says the, the best things like she she talks about but like we're somewhere the other day and I've got a, a tattoo on my neck of like a little baby angel and she always comes up to me saying can I give Monty a kiss you know let me give Monty a kiss and my wife has been amazing she still has bad days my sister just um gave birth to a baby boy yesterday and then we saw him it was like a mix of emotions we're gonna be like how are we gonna be with this because it's like a baby boy in our family like born six days after my son and, and we spoke about it today and, and like my mom was a bit like you know you're gonna be okay speaking to your sister I was like I'm gonna be fine like it wasn't Monty's turn to be here. Like his, his body wasn't ready for the world and he will come back to us. And that's, we always believed that like from the day that he passed away, we always said that he's going to come back to us. We know he's here. Like he's always around us. He's always looking down on us. He's looking down on Tallulah and that's how we see it. That's, that's what keeps us going is that we know he's here and we know he's going to come back to us hundred percent. Thank you, Dean. And, um, and I asked about your wife and I asked about Tallulah and it's very common in these, these grieving circumstances that the rock, you, as you described yourself, can get lost and forgotten. So very importantly here, Dean, how are you coping with everything still? Joe, you know, I've, I've been really, really good. And, you know, I channeled everything through them books. And that gave me like, I've written six or seven books about him now, of things that he would have done, adventures he would have gone on, experiences he would have had of as, as growing up. And that fills me with such joy and such passion. But he had a disease which was incurable. And if he had been in this world, he wouldn't have had a life, do you know, where, where he could have been with everyone. It would have been so unfair on him as a, as a child. And I feel, it, it sounds strange, and, and I say it to people, but the, the night that he passed away, we came home that evening. It was, it was a weird evening driving home and, Everything was a bit of a blur, but I woke up in the morning and I'll never forget the relief that come from my body because I knew that he didn't have a tube stuck in his, I knew that he wasn't getting jabbed. I knew that he was free. He was completely free of any harm that could be done to him, any pain that he was in. And that to me, till this day, I, I, I talk to him every day, like every day I talk to him and I just tell him stuff and my day's been, you know, what we'd have been up to. But for me to know that he's not in pain is the thing that keeps me going every single day. Every day. Lovely put, Dean. And uh, Monty's extremely lucky to have you as a dad. Um, Thank you. And Tallulah as a sister and, of course, your wife. <laughs> Dean, you've mentioned the book a couple of times. Tell us tell us about this book and, and books. Um, there's more mm. than one. You know, you told us that, that it's, it, it's, it's about Monty and it's about Monty's stories. Tell, tell us more about it, please. So, so the first one we had got released, it got published. It was called Monty's First Christmas. And it was all about Monty and, and how I was as a child waking up Christmas Day, the run up to Christmas, writing my Christmas list. That got published in December. It was a really good response. It went on Amazon, Waterstones, Borders, all these websites all across the world. People were buying it and it had photos inside. The next one I've got is Monty's Adventures to the Stars. That I actually wrote a few days after he passed away and that's about his journey leaving the planet leaving earth going up there and sort of looking down on us we have monty's first day at school 
Monty's first football match, Monty's adventures to the zoo. But the thing about it is they all rhyme. So from start to finish, and this is coming from somebody who left school with zero GCSEs, okay? I could hold you up. I could show you my results right now. I had U's, I had F's. I've got ADHD. You know, I'm probably a bit dyslexic. If you, a teacher, a, a friend, anybody who knew me said Dean's written a book, they would tell you to piss off because they're like, Dean can't even read, let alone write a book. But this came from a heart. This is, this was a passion that just come to me one day and I, I wrote some poems about him. They, you can see the poems on like my social media and stuff. And I, I used to stick them to his bed. I stuck them to his bed. So every day we'd go in there and we'd have these poems stuck to his bed, which, which I'd write about him. And it was just something that opened like a part of my brain, which was never open before. And yeah, and all, again, all this stuff is going back towards helping the charity to raise an awareness um, and raising, you know, funds, which which we have done really well in the UK over the summer. We raised about £22,000 towards the myotubular myopathy. Um, I had a lady reach out to me yesterday, actually, on Instagram, whose, whose son is now 10 months old. And, and she's the message I received from her saying how inspiring me and my wife were like, the reason I, is the reason I keep doing this is because I know that I'm helping someone somewhere. And she said, like, the messages that I get to, I love that. And it's, she's not the only person that sent that to me. I've had dads reach out to me. I've had people all over the world send me messages and it's been like that. And I think people will act differently in this situation. And people do act differently, but I've just dealt with it, how it sort of happened. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 there's no right or wrong way to deal with this and and yeah i've sort of gone well off what we were talking about there but um yeah the, the next book is then coming out sorry in so we're going to do one the run up to every christmas every year so next one's due in october and we'll have one in october the following year we just had a new illustrator come on board who's got some really good um illustrations for the book and we rushed the first one because we had to get it done for christmas and it was only i think it's start of november we, we had it sort of um got the ball rolling so we didn't do as much marketing and, and sort of PR to raise as much we still had a phenomenal response it sold out on Amazon I think once or twice um, yeah it was, we had a really really good response to it so it's amazing it's amazing to hear the story and the passion you have and the legacy you know that you're creating from Monty it's just it's just amazing and you're clearly an amazing person you're clearly inspiring many many people around you and and I'm guessing that this 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 writing this this interest in writing and this passion for writing came out of nowhere, and mm -hmm. it helped you through this challenging time. Was there any other strategies, Dean, that that you used during these um these challenging months of your life? Not not really, but I, I go back to it, and, and it was it's talking, mate. Honestly, I can't stress to people enough what it means to talk. No matter who you talk to, no matter what you got to tell them. You've got to talk. How you talk to them is entirely up to you, but you can't bottle everything up. I've I've met some people who have been through a similar experience and similar thing. And I meet these people and the the the, the tension I feel from these people and like that the, there's something inside them that they in a minute they're just gonna burst. They're gonna do something. They're gonna maybe hurt themselves, hurt someone else or or do something, which is, and, and I just think to something like, 
there's got to be more out there to help these people to to talk. You know, people say men men don't cry, men are men. You know, we got to be a man. You you don't do like stuff like that. It's bollocks. Men have got feelings. Men are as, like any other human on this. We got to have a cry. We got to break. We got to talk. You're not a pussy because you fucking spoke to somebody about you know how you're feeling. You're feeling upset. You're feeling down. You've lost a, a family member. You've lost a friend. There isn't that whole, you know, I think the word, is it persona? I don't know what the word, persona or something like that. That's not about you. You've got to talk. If you talk to someone, just one person, get it off your chest, whatever inside you. And I guarantee you, you will feel a hundred times better than what you did if you don't. So well put, Dino, and that's exactly why we're here today, to, to create a platform for, for, for people to, to be able to express themselves and be able to talk. And, you know, and as you can see, I, I'm, I'm, you know, sitting back, I'm, I'm not firing questions at you. The key is for people to be able to, to speak without interruption, without judgment, mm -hmm. you know, without, without people giving advice sometimes. We just need to be listened yeah. to, you know, and that's what 100%. we're trying to create. Then we're going to just uh, change topic for a moment and, and focus mm -hmm. on you now. Um, yeah. what, what do you get up to now? What makes you happy? What makes me happy? You know what? Every day, and I promise you, people see me every day. They say, Dean, you've got a smile on your face. I said, what have I not got to be happy about? I said, I'm a lot. Like, I'm here. I'm, I'm living this beautiful life, a beautiful family. I've got every day I get like a, it's, it's mad to say it, but. I'll be driving along and I get like a warm buzz inside my body just to think I really enjoy my life. Like I've had the worst of the worst happen to me. But something inside me is saying, keep going, Dean, because you're going to do good. This, there's more. This has been, the doctor said to me, actually, it's, it's a good point. They, they said, the way you and your wife have dealt with this is unbelievable to see. They said the way you've, they said, it's it's like, this has happened because you knew that you could deal with it. Like nobody should have to deal with what we dealt with, but they said the way that you two are, it's like, you know, people who believe in, in other things say that, that this has happened because you can deal with this and you will deal with this. And I genuinely believe that we have so much more to offer. And I know that my daughter, my wife's pregnant. Our second baby due is due now in um, August with a baby girl. So we're going to have two little nutty girls running around and that keeps me happy every day because I know I'm going to have a beautiful baby daughter and is there one worry in my head there's not because I know there is nothing evil enough on this planet that would affect another baby coming into this world with me and my wife so I know that we're going to have a beautiful healthy baby girl at the end of August that puts a smile on my face like I don't know I'm, I'm just a very lucky to have my wife, my daughter, my family and my friends. And that's what keeps me going every day. I don't have dark days, to be honest with you. And if I do, I have a little cry. I'll have a chat with Monty. I'll ring up my brother. I'll ring up a friend back in. I'll speak to Kirsty and I'll just say, look, I'm feeling a bit down. But you know what? We've got to keep going. And it, it sounds bad and it's, it doesn't sound bad. But I remember someone who said to me, life goes on. Life goes on and and we need to adapt. And if he was here, he wouldn't want me to be sitting around moping. And we, we get one shot here. We get one shot in this in this world. And I want to do everything I can to be as happy as I can, to help as many people as I can, and to, to keep Tallulah and Kirsty as, you know, 
a smile on their faces. You know, I love it. I, I love your enthusiasm, you know, your, your expression. I love how you encourage people to talk and, and to cry and get it out there and, and don't hold anything back because we don't need to suffer in pain. Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be like that. And, uh, and I love the fact that how, how, how strong of a team you are together, the three of you. It, it, it's lovely and it shows the power of teamwork and, you know, and working collaboratively together. Um, then if, if you could look back to you when you were younger, you know, were, were you always so strong about expressing yourself and talking? No, uh, do you know, what? I, I wouldn't say I, I was always, I wouldn't say I was, I, was, I was very, I was almost shy, sort of. Growing up, I was very homesick as, as a, a young lad. I was, I was always, um, yeah, I wasn't, I, I would always get involved in like school plays and things like that. I was never like the cool kid at school. You know, I was, I was probably like somewhere in the middle. You got like the cool kids, you got the kids who weren't so cool. But I was always there, but yeah, I, I've never really been like, did, did, what happened with money has changed me massively. I would never have gotten a, a podcast like this or, or something before. I think we had a, Dubai Eye came into the salon once because I, I won some tickets for Kirsty to for two nights at the Atlantis and I was shy as anything. I'd veer away from the camera, but point it over there. Do you know what I mean? But but now I I suppose it's because I'm putting a different message across. I'm putting I'm trying to help people now, um, which is different to how I was. But I, I wouldn't say I've always been like this at all. I'd say this is, this has changed me. So what advice, Dean, would you give to your younger self? Do you know what? I, I, it's a good question. What advice would I give to my younger self? I think just to take each day as it comes, like enjoy every day that we've got here. Never take anything for granted, ever. Never take anything. I mean, you could talk about stuff like, you know, as soon as you turn 17, don't strap a car up on finance and, you know, blow all your wages on that and things like that but that's irrelevant like for me that stuff is irrelevant it is to literally enjoy every single moment you get with people you love and make you happy because you'll never ever get that back and that's what I say and I talk about Monty I said I know what it's like to lose someone and never get that time back the only advice I would, I, know, but I, I can't even say that because I, I do, I've always loved my family. I was like a mummy's boy. I would, I would never even, you know, have a night out with my friends because I'd, I'd want to be home. And I just loved Christmas time, birthdays, just all my family being together. So I've always been a very caring person. But yeah, if, if I could just say one thing, it would just be to enjoy every single moment because you don't realize how fast life goes. It doesn't even think to me that it was 30 years ago that I was, you know, five years old, 30 years. And then 20 years ago, I was at an age where you think, you know, you're going into secondary school. It seems like yesterday and it's gone. Like it's crazy. Thank you, Dean. Um, Dean, look, it has been fascinating talking to you. you know, you're an absolute amazing person. And I genuinely mean that. I've got goosebumps sitting here listening to you. I love your passion. I love your family bond. I love your expression and encouraging people to talk. And, and so thank you for giving us your time tonight. Thank you for having me and letting me talk to you. Thank you. Dana, where can people find you and, and how can they get your books? The books um, are, are on my website. Um, we've, we've, if anybody's interested, actually, we just um, 
another project we've started launching, which has gone through the roof. We, we launched some NFTs about Monty as well, which are crazy. Um, we, we've, we've sold out of nearly the first collection. We've got another 10 going. And again, that's all going back. That's all explained on my website. It's Monty Stories, M-O-N-T-I-E-S, stories.com. Um, everything can be found on there. My Instagram as well, um, which is Monty's underscore stories. Um, and everything's on there, the books, the NFTs, and all the projects we've got coming up to events that we're going to be holding um, to raise more money, more awareness um, in the UK at the moment only because we haven't got the the right things here. But we are still in talks with the embassy at the moment to hopefully get that in place very soon. Um, but yeah, we, we, we everything can be found there, montystories.com. Dino, you're an absolute legend. And um, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, and good luck with everything. Monty is thank an extremely you. lucky person to have you as a dad. And, thank you um, so much. And well done for you for everything you're achieving. Good man. Dean Monroe, thank you so much for tonight. Take care. Thank you.